Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. Welcome back for episode number 92. And make sure you check out our listener meetup before we get started. We're combining it with TCI, our Podfathers, the Canadian Investor Podcast for a meetup in Toronto for all of our audiences. It's already like 50% sold out. We'd love to see you there. And there's a link in our show notes for you to join us. I am real estate investor and broker, Daniel Foch. And I'm Nick Hill, also a real estate investor and also a real estate professional. And today we're going to be talking about the Bank of Canada's financial system review, among other things. Very liberal use of the word professional there, Nick. Wow. Okay. I see, Dan. That's that's not very nice to do in front of everybody here. Sorry, dude. I'm sorry. That's all right. I'll forgive you. We'll talk about this later. The the Bank (laughs) of Canada's financial system is the topic of today's episode, among other things like inflation going up and the risk on fixed rates rather than variable rates right now. Hmm. Sounds complicated. It is complicated. And so we're going to break it down for all our listeners and make it really simple. Usually we make simple things complicated. Kind of like Eli5 subreddit type stuff. The what? E-L-I-5. It stands for explain it like I'm five. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just have to Eli-5 what Eli-5 meant for me? (laughs) I mean, I guess it's kind of like the modern version of, remember like those four dummies books? It was like Microsoft Word for dummies, you know, making chicken noodle soup for dummies. Yeah, I think the correct term for that is for simps now. It's 2023. We don't call people dummies anymore. Um, look up Urban Dictionary, dude. Simp is not the right word. I thought it was just like short for like simple or like simpleton. De- no, definitely not. Um, Dan, we'll oh, look I'm that word up later. Let's let's move on here before we get caught up on uh, yeah, Urban sure. Dictionary. So, <laughs> speaking of marvelous elementary educational franchises, we should probably tease the new little project we're working on, eh? You think so? Should we? I think it's time. I mean, if it's a bad idea, then our audience could just tell us. They're always good with criticism. We appreciate you guys. And uh, and then we'll shut it down. Yeah. You know, good call. Okay. So, da, da, da. We're working on a course. The first thing is going to be a 30-minute free course. Then we will do a much more expansive and more expensive because the first one's free. So both expansive and a little more expensive full curriculum on how to invest in real estate. So if you're interested in that or, you know, you you want to give us some pointers or anything, send us a message to the show and uh, we can even register you for the pre-sale, send you some more information. You finally went full guru, eh? Okay. Not just me, man. You're doing the course too. True. I guess. I like how it's uh, a register for pre-sale thing, like a pre-construction project as well. Well, if we know anything from you know pre-construction, our most recent episode with Jordan Scrinko, that it, it seems to work. Yeah, I guess um, it does. Anyways, obviously, we are sufficiently off the rails now. Dan, why don't we take it back and get into the episode here? Sure. Okay. So inflation went up. We all know this from CBC. Inflation rate unexpectedly increased in April, jumping to 4.4%. This is an increase from March's 4.3% annual pace. Canada's inflation rate reversed its cooling trend last month and moved higher. Economists had been expecting new data released by Statistics Canada on Tuesday to show that the cost of living had eased 
from March's 4.3% pace to something around 4.1%. Instead, it moved higher. As the cost of things like gasoline, rent, and get this one, mortgages increased during the month. We, The irony of this is not lost on us, by the way. We're going to talk about it a lot in the episode. <laughs> it's the first acceleration in the cost of living since June of 2022, when Canada's inflation rate hit more than a 40-year high of 8.1%. Yeah, you know, you see the things like cost of goes up and then followed by gasoline, rent and mortgages. I mean, those are just things that like, no matter who you are in this country, you're affected by one, two, likely, possibly three of those things all at once. So, I mean, it's just, it's just and tough it's called to see. The price elasticity. People have to buy certain things and shelter and, uh, and gasoline are, are among those goods, right? You can't really not buy them. Weird. I thought it was called the double whammy, but um, no, that too. <laughs> That's a wrestling move that the Bank of Canada is doing to the economy right now. Yeah, seriously. Okay, so here's um, from uh, a similar article called "Price Pressures," and um, the bank recently hit a pause on its rate hikes because the numbers have shown a clear cooling in the inflation rate since last summer. But at least one economist says Tuesday's data could cause the central bank to think about hiking some more. So you've probably heard this back and forth. Um, you know, everyone sits the classic line. Well, I don't have a crystal ball followed by some kind of prediction as to what's going to happen. Um, here we go back to the article. The risk of a return to rate hikes at the next release can't be ruled out. That's the next Bank of Canada meeting, which is coming up in a few weeks. As staying on hold now is important, is now very dependent on seeing a slowdown in the labor market, CIBC economist Avery Shenfield said. Trading and investments known as swaps, which bet on the central bank is going to, to do implied swaps, there is now- those are, uh- pretty popular in one of my favorite films, The Big Short. Usually a sign the economy is doing good when people are swapping stuff. Go watch that movie if you haven't seen it yet. It is is great. And and they actually do what we do. If you notice in that movie, they have a bunch of complicated stuff and they pause and do definitions, although they have... Are you comparing yourself to Margot Robbie in a bubble bath right now? I'll do the next definition in a bubble bath. I will do it, but you won't know because you're listening to this and not watching me in a bubble bath, which is probably for everyone's best interest here. Um, So again, trading in investments known as swaps, which bet on what the central bank is going to do. So you're essentially betting on what the bank's next move implied there is now an almost one in 3% chance of a rate hike in the bank's next policy meeting. So again, this goes back a few months where people were saying there's no way they're going to be raising rate, rates again. You know, if anything, we'll start to see a rate cut. And now we just a few weeks after all, all that, you know, all that talk is done, we now see a one in three chance that the bank will actually increase at the next rate. And as recently as May, those odds were barely a one in 50 chance. So, Oh, how things change in this economy and in this market. I think it's important to remember that if we do see rate cuts, it means that things are bad and the economy has been relatively strong. And so we might still need to take some of the steam out of the economy. And the way that they do that is through increasing the rate. Um, and, and, you know, I think the unemployment is still very low, like almost record low. And the housing market is. Be, is behaving as though it's very very resilient on the price side of things 
And so I, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Tiff Macklem felt that there was more work to do. Um, but the lagging impact is also a big question mark. And it's like, you don't want to overshoot it to get to a hard landing. I think that one's pretty self-explanatory what a hard landing is. Um, this part's funny from the financial post inflation drivers were mortgage interest costs, which were up 28.5% from a year ago because of higher interest rates, the policy tool of the bank of Canada rents were up 6.1% also pushing the headline rate. So, we're fighting inflation with inflation and it and it's not working. Now this makes me think of another saying that I came up with, okay? Remember this is a me thing. An eye for an eye makes the whole world go blind. Now I came up with that and it was describing something else, but if we take when it, that when you're concept, hanging out with with Jesus and Gandhi and you, <laughs> that was your rebuttal and your debates with them. If inflation for inflation makes the whole world inflation, Something like that. Does that work? <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's a poem, actually, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, uh, you know, it does sound kind of catchy and funny, the in- fighting inflation with inflation thing. I thought, you know, you were going to go with the fire with fire. That's one of my favorite uh, Nick. Never heard originals. that before. Yeah. Mm. No, no. You, can, you <laughs> can say it next week. It's all good. But, but realistically, mortgage costs do increase CPI, and, and that's our main measure of inflation. But bigger mortgages also take money out of the economy because more and more people are spending money on mortgages and less money on, well, other stuff. Ah, uh, yes. Other stuff. Now, that's a technical term, isn't it? I guess basically anything else that requires money. If we're spending less money on that <laughs> stuff because our mortgages are getting more expensive, then the economy contracts or gets smaller. Is that enough of an Eli Five for you? Hmm. Yes, thanks, Dan. That was uh, that was good. And listen, five year old Nick is both impressed and satisfied with that explanation. So, what does it look like if we win this battle against inflation? by using inflation to fight inflation. That's a lot of inflation within inflation on inflation. It reminds (laughs) me of a 2010 movie actually that stars Leonardo DiCaprio as a professional thief who steals information by infiltrating the subconscious of his targets. Yes, yes. Uh, Leo starring in the movie Inflation. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) So so the way it works is, is... it's another word that rhymes with inception called uh, recession. You like, didn't. That was a reach, eh? You're really going to drop that on, on this podcast right now? Come on. What did I say? You know what you said. Just don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Okay, so so recession. Remember last year on the podcast when we said that the Bank of Canada would choose recession over inflation every time. A quote by CIBC Chief Economist Benjamin Tao and Michael Scott from The Office and Nick Hill. Man, I'm really up there with the greats with these original quotes. (laughs) Whatever you say, brother. (laughs) So from Twitter, there's there's always great stuff floating around Twitter. This is from Macro Elf. Quote, does inflation come with a recession? History says yes, big time. Recessions have a 100% success rate of bringing inflation down to a neutral level, a 100% rate. So the headline there should say, does inflation come down with a recession? But I think it also does come with a recession because then you get like inflation, hiking cycle, recession. I think 70% of the past hiking cycles ended in recession and then 100% of recessions brought 
inflation down to the neutral range. So what's a good way to make recession happen? Force people to pour money into non-productive assets. Okay. I might need you to Eli me again here. What is a non-productive asset? So non-production assets are those which are not involved in the production of goods and services. As such, non-production assets generally include cash, short-term investments, receivables, prepayments, and other assets. We exclude fixed assets, inventory, and intangibles. That was not at all an Eli 5, by the way. <laughs> I feel like an Eli 25 maybe. but So here, so a farm, for instance, would that be a productive real estate asset, but let's say a primary residence wouldn't be? Technically, yes. That's like a perfect example. A farm would be a productive real estate asset and a house would be a non-productive asset. Although Warren Buffett calls houses both a productive asset as well as a consumable asset or as well as a consumable goods category, sorry. But I think we'll get to that another time. So what, you're just going to drop a half of a Warren Buffett quote and leave me in the audience sitting here wondering what it was? We <laughs> we could do a full episode on it later. Uh, why Warren Buffett calls houses productive assets. I, I'm not well and well researched enough on it, but Daddy Buffett always guarantees a lot of views on episodes anyway. So stay tuned for that one that we just came up with. Yeah, you know, Braden just got back from uh, the Oracle of Omaha's Berkshire Hathaway's annual general meeting, and um, man, some some really great stuff out of there. We should work Buffett into a couple more of these episodes. He's not a massive real estate guy, but you know, I think a lot of his principles and just outlook on on the economy play a huge role in in our understanding. Yeah, I think like after 08 he was like always he was looking for meaningful ways to go long on housing like when the market had really crashed uh there he you know he he was super bullish on single family detached mm-hmm. houses and he didn't really figure it out the way that you know your Blackstones and everybody else did because he was just like there's no practical way to be a single family landlord at scale. Uh Sam Zell who did a great job at it just passed away by the way rest is rest in peace, but um, he, you know, he did a good job with it in in the in the um, mobile home space. I think it, it it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a trade off. Like to do it at scale, you can't necessarily manage your assets well. So, um, you know, make it makes sense that Buffett didn't really want to do it. Um, he did do yeah, no. Berkshire Hathaway Home Services though, and then I, bought exactly, a bunch of yeah. Bam and what you know, a bunch of bailed out. Uh, um, what was it? Home capital in Canada. Give him a line of credit. Like he did a lot of other stuff that you know only Buffett dipped his can toes do. in. Yeah, exactly. Dipped his billion um, dollar toe in. Yeah, that's a that's like a five hundred million dollar pinky toe there. Um, okay, so let's do a general summary from everything we've covered before we move on here. So, a couple key points. One, inflation is up, and that was unexpected. Number two, a big part of that inflation comes from mortgage costs. And the third thing to remember before we continue is the Bank of Canada controls those costs. So Dan, let's get into how and why the Bank of Canada controls those costs. Maybe we can make some sense of what's going on here. Yeah. And it's also important to remember the big jumps in the Bank of Canada rate were in May and June. So those interest rate bumps, let's call them, in inflation will pass us by in just a few months. Like we saw 75 bips in May, I think, and then um, 100 bips in June. Okay. So then explain this to me. Why am I looking at an article that says Bank of Canada mortgage payments could soar up to 40% in three years? 
Canada Central Bank is a bit more concerned than it was a year ago, but the risks high household debt posed to the country's financial system. Okay, so let's Eli five this one, Dan. So in light, the article does a pretty good Eli five on it. In light of higher borrowing costs, the Bank of Canada is more concerned than it was last year about the ability of households to service their debt, to pay their mortgages because they're getting more expensive. And it says this in the Bank of Canada's annual financial system review. More households are expected to face financial pressure in coming years as their mortgages are renewed. So the bank says about one-third of Canadian mortgages have already seen an increase in payments compared with February 2022. So this means a portion of it is you know, fixed rates that have already renewed, and then a, a good portion of the, that total is as well as variable rates that feel the pain every time the rate goes up. Um, so February 2022 is when they started hiking their key rate from 025 to 4.5%, which is now at. Yeah, ouch. Now, most mortgage borrowers are up for renewal over the next three years, with the majority doing that in 2025 and 2026. So I guess they got a bit of a race against the clock to get rates back down by 25 and 26. Um, the central bank estimates Canadian borrowers will see their monthly payments jump between 20 and 40% when they renew. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, 20, 20 to 40% in anything is, is substantial, let alone a jump in and arguably, you know, most Canadians' biggest monthly payment, I would assume, right? Um, here, uh, you know, Better Dwelling, a good friend of the show, uh, Dan and I have both done some, some content for them over there. Great, uh, great, great source of news. Better Dwelling covers it nicely as well. Uh, Canada's real estate frenzy fallout is only just beginning, according to its new central bank. I'm sorry, according to its central bank, the Bank of Canada, the BOC, published their latest financial system review, the FSR. Of course, they have an acronym for it. And Dan and I are covering the FSR today with mortgage repayment presenting a threat to the economy. They forecast that existing borrowers will see their payments climb significantly by 2025, especially if borrowers don't extend the repayment term. Yeah, I thought it was funny, you know, better dwellings typically more bearish and um, the mortgage payment, the the groups that use the upper bound of that forecast that the Bank of Canada uh, was like CBC. Like, I feel like a lot of these more uh, mainstream media groups are getting more more like uh excessively not bearish but like doomsdayish and then better dwellings headline was like 20%. They used the lower bound and and uh CBC used the upper bound. I just thought it was hilarious. Anyway, give me a refresher on what the Bank of Canada does. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it is interesting to see uh, you know how sentiment is is played on throughout this this whole thing as it unfolds before our eyes. But yes, I sorry, I do I think it's funny like the, I, I feel like just um, better dwelling so ruthlessly contrarian that like if the rest of the world is <laughs> is bullet or bearish, they're like, oh, I guess we're bulls now because we're like, like, OK, fine. It's actually not that bad. Else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK. Yeah. Sorry. So, Dan, you had asked for a quick refresher on what the Bank of Canada is and what they do. Um, since we're looking at one of their main reports here, and we also cover uh, the monetary policy reports. Um, and we use a lot of information that comes out from the Bank of Canada. So let's just take a quick look at what they do. 
Um, the Bank of Canada is the nation's central bank. Their main role, and this is quoted from their website, is to promote the economic and financial welfare of Canada. Good one, guys. Quote, yeah, and that is defined by the Bank of Canada Act. So they have their responsibilities broken down into a few categories here. And the main area of responsibility listed first is the monetary policy, where we, as in the Bank of Canada, I will be the Bank of Canada in this situation, if you will allow me, we influence the supply of money circulating in the economy using our monetary policy framework to keep inflation low and stable. The next one is financial system. We, Bank of Canada, promote safe, sound, and efficient financial systems within Canada and internationally. We also conduct transitions in financial markets in support of these objectives. We move on to currency, where we design, issue, and distribute Canada's banknotes. I wonder, did it, do, do you think that like, I guess it would have been Polo's at the time, but like he was like, hey guys, we should make these $100 bills smell like maple syrup. Do you think we could do that? <laughs> I did interview him. He's a really cool guy. I feel like he would say that. Like, I want to know who's who at the Bank of Canada was like part of that design. They don't decision. smell like maple syrup, do have they? Not, have you not smelled a? Yeah, they smell. Dude, they I, literally I, smell I get like paid maple syrup. I, I'm a podcaster. You think I got $100 bills lying around? Come on. <laughs> my mortgage makes up most of my payments for everything these days. I'm going to have to go smell some. Uh, some hundred dollar bills, get some pancakes going. It'll blow your mind. You didn't not. You didn't know this. It'll I actually, actually blow I your mind. I honestly did like not know that. You, it's undeniable that they smell like maple syrup. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I kind of like that. It probably cost an arm and leg to do it. Worth one hundred and ten bucks now. The price of maple syrup's going up. Um, funds management. We, as the Bank of Canada, are the fiscal agents for the government of Canada, managing its public debt programs and foreign exchange reserves. And finally, retail payments provision supervision. We supervise payment service providers according to the Retail Payment Activities Act. Happy? Is that yeah, good I'm, enough for I'm, you? I'm good. I'm still stuck on maple syrup, honestly. Did you know that maple syrup is like a, the, <laughs> the like oligopolistic uh, economic structure of the maple syrup industry is like a cartel? Did you know that? There's a there was a there's a documentary yeah, or something Netflix, like that. Dirty, yeah. dirty money talks about it. Yeah. Like there's a yes, that's what it was. Th that's about a maple syrup heist, but like so is it the maple syrup. If, if, for those of you, I'm going to spare you talking about this for too long. But on Netflix, there's this episode, episode five of season one of Dirty Money, and it's called the Maple Syrup Heist, and it's about um, this giant maple syrup heist that happened in in Canada, and it, but it really goes through an amazing, probably a 10, 20 minute history of how the maple syrup industry in Canada is literally like a cartel system. It's very, very interesting. Anyway, I so do, digress. are we going to figure out ways to work maple syrup into more of these episodes? <laughs> I maybe. I hope so. I'm just getting really hungry now. But, um, so. Canada's central bank sees mortgages causing some economic risks for the country. Who would have seen that coming? Mm. Borrowers are looking at significantly higher payments after rate normalization. By 2026, nearly all mortgage holders, except for the geniuses who got 10 and 15 year terms on these record low rates, will have seen their payments increase. So nearly all of them, let's I think it's like 80% will have seen payments increase. 
wrote the Bank of Canada. So both fixed and variable rate mortgage payments will have climbed by the end of 2026. The median payment is estimated to be 20% higher than February 2022 before rate hikes. They estimate the average fixed rate borrower will see their payment increase between 20 and 25% during this period. By the way, this time last year, maybe even a little bit earlier when the rate hiking cycle started, and there were articles saying payments could jump by 40% based on the Bank of Canada's original forecast. And now we're seeing that materialize, just so you're aware. It's important to pay attention to what these individuals have to say in advance, not in reaction to. Proactivity versus reactivity. Proactivity always, always wins. That's why they call it the pro, man. Exactly. There you go. Pro proactive there you go so a few other things two good words actually you get to be active and pro so we we really love dissecting dan do you have a a based off of your that's a lot skill in that's that's perfect perfect pro means professional active means physically active they're both two great things man your your latin knowledge is just so deep and impressive it's 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 almost it's comparable to your ability to create original zinger (laughs) quotes It's almost like there's like a place on the on the like uh, in the world where you can just get a ton of information for free mm. and and then lie about who came up with it. I don't know. I've never heard about think, anything was like that. Arthur that. quote. <laughs> Do you really think someone would go on the internet and tell lies? <laughs> um, okay, let's keep this party going. A few other things to keep in mind uh, with everything that we've talked about. So those that are on variable payments have already felt the pain when it comes to the Bank of Canada rate changes. Trust me, I know I've got a few properties on variable variable rates and they used to cash flow a hell of a lot better than they do now. Now, most people are on five-year fixed mortgages. That is and and kind of always has been the go-to for Canadians. The five-year fixed was by far the most popular other than for a very short period about a year ago. Uh, that mortgage is, is controlled by the GOC or the government of Canada and their five-year bond. So GOC, think GOC fixed, BOC variable. That's government of Canada fixed, bank of Canada variable. But those on fixed rates will still have to feel some pain because anyone who got a five-year fixed five years ago was probably still in the, you know, I don't know, high twos to, you know, high threes, probably settled around an average of a three and a half percent interest rate. Now they're going to be renewing at likely minimum two points higher, probably in around the 5.5%. Yeah, it is crazy to think about the magnitude. I mean, if you're on a variable, you already felt that because you were like prime minus 95 or whatever it was, prime minus one. And you've gone up now from that, you know, whatever 1.1% rate to five, four or 5% rate. Um, but, and maybe this is a good time for us to revisit the fixed versus variable rate mortgage conversation. You know, we, our listenership has grown probably double since we've touched on that last. It is a nice little Eli five kind of elementary thing to get back to. And we can add, we can kind of keep a little bit of sophistication in there for our long-term listeners. We appreciate the new and long-term listeners, by the way, tell all your friends. That's how it helps us grow. And think about, I, I was listening to a podcast and I heard this exercise. It was like, think about how you learned about this podcast. You know, did somebody share it with you or send it to you? Um, 
we would appreciate if you do the same thing, right? Pay it forward, maybe leave a review, maybe post it on social media, maybe send it to a friend. I would really appreciate that. And in exchange, I will wax poetic about fixed versus variable rate mortgages for another 10 minutes. Here. <laughs> so <laughs> there are two main types of mortgages, fixed and variable. You know this already. With a fixed rate mortgage, your interest rate and payments stay the same over the mortgage term. It's fixed. It doesn't fix your problems, but it, it the rate is fixed. With a variable rate mortgage, and, and the mortgage term is typically five years. With a variable rate mortgage, the interest rate can move up or down according to the lender's prime interest rate. Yeah. So again, very simply, a fixed rate is exactly what it sounds like. The rate that you are, the rate that you choose when you sign those documents, those mortgage documents, will be that same rate throughout your usual five-year term. That's the five-year fixed is the most standard and fixed is as simple as that, a fixed rate. And then the variable works basically, there's two different ways. So your rate can go up and down along with the prime interest rate. So for those people who got variable rates at record low, I mean, rates were so compelling. Like it is crazy. A lot of people are like, oh, how could you be so stupid? Like to get a variable rate early on. It's like, it was so compelling that it was irresistible, but also a lot of people were using it to qualify because the payment was so low. Mm -hmm. You would really push, maximize your borrowing power, right? Like if you're a first-time home buyer, you might not have been buying a house. It would have been the difference between buying a house and not buying a house. That's how big the gap was between fixed and variable. It was a record. I don't think it's ever been that big. Um, so <laughs> scenario one, your payment goes up as the rate goes up, which is a variable payment. Or scenario two, your payment stays the same as the rate goes up, meaning you pay down less principal or equity in the home. That is a static payment variable rate. We're going to go through all the different types of open, close, static, fixed, blah, blah, blah. But before we do that, Nick, do you want to give me a quick comparison on like benefits and concerns versus fixed and variable rates? For sure, Dan. Why don't I be a fixed mortgage rate and you be a variable mortgage rate in this situation? Okay. We'll good. start off with the type of mortgage. Let's look at the benefits of a fixed rate here, okay? So because the interest stays the same, you'll always know when you'll pay off your mortgage, you'll have something called an amortization amortization schedule. You are able to follow that throughout your term and see what is happening on your principal and your interest payments. It's a little easier to understand than a variable, right? You know, not all of us are sophisticated investors. Maybe you just want something to that, you know, okay, just like a car payment, I know it's going to cost me this every month. Just like a cell phone payment, I can work it into my overall budget. I don't have to follow what the Bank of Canada is doing, all this crazy stuff and be readjusting every month. So it gives you that certainty. You'll also have the confidence to know exactly what to budget for those monthly payments. So, you know, as far as a risk profile goes, I'd say this is likely about as safe as you can get is the fixed rate mortgage. Thank you, fixed rate Fred. My name is Variable rate Victor. And the initial <laughs> interest rate is often lower than a fixed rate mortgage on a variable rate. Not today, I don't think, for most product. Um, and an initial lower payment may help you qualify for a longer loan. That's what I was just mentioning is really the main thing as to why they were so popular during that huge run up of 2022, late 2021, early 2022. If the prime rate falls and your interest rate falls accordingly, more of your payments will go towards the principal. And you can convert typically a variable rate mortgage. They're more often open. And so you can typically convert them to a fixed rate mortgage at any time with a much smaller payment than a fixed rate would carry. 
Okay, let me let Fred do the talking about fixed rates. Okay, Victor, take it easy. Um, okay, so let's look at some concerns that one may have when choosing a fixed rate mortgage. The initial interest rate is often higher than the variable rate mortgage. You're also locked into that interest rate for your entire mortgage term. Okay, so if you choose a five-year, it doesn't matter what happens with the Bank of Canada's prime rate, you are still on that. So again, that can be a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing if rates are going up and you're locked in, and it can be looked at as a bad thing if rates are going down and you're locked in at something higher. Now, of course, you can break that mortgage for any reason, but penalties will be, in most cases, substantially higher for a fixed rate than a variable rate if you were to break that mortgage. Victor, over to you. Variable rate, Victor, here. If the prime rate rises and my interest rate goes up accordingly on a variable rate, less of the payments will go towards principal, which could make the amortization period longer. We've heard a lot about this happening. So you get one of two paths. Either you pay your house down slower or you pay way more interest or way more monthly payment. And a lot of people are feeling the the burn here on this from variable rates that were initiated in the last couple of years. Um, this is where you're hearing something like over 30% of the mortgage books of different Canadian banks are have amortizations over 25 years long, which is crazy. That means not just good. basically not a good thing. Well, if you're a bank, it actually is kind of sure. good because are you, a bank? you make money on interest. <laughs> Do you know any banks? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not yet. That's true. But I mean, they don't seem to care because they make money on interest. They don't care if you pay your principal back. And so if you're in, if if you're not paying principal that means you're paying too much in, interest which means that they're mm-hmm. making a lot of money. Um I mean banks do exceptionally well during recessions. Um I actually I would defer to the TCI guys on this one but I think Canadian banks are beginning to be priced exceptionally well because they're getting a lot of that that fear from the US banks. Um but they're just kind of cranking out they they outperform during recessions so anyway. crazy. I won't go out of scope here, but because I have no idea what I'm talking about with that. Um, <laughs> is the variable rate mortgage better than a fixed rate mortgage? Very difficult question to answer. It's almost as though answers to questions like this one are entirely qualitative and people are entitled to having different tastes. Would you imagine that, Nick? As a mortgage there's agent, no, I have never imagine, thought of that answer no, before. <laughs> there's no right answer. If the financial uncertainty of a variable rate mortgage doesn't scare you, in a low or normal interest rate environment, also known as not today, <laughs> a variable rate mortgage could, I'm choosing my words very carefully here, I can could see that. be a better choice because the rate is likely to be lower than a fixed rate mortgage. Again, not today, which can save you a lot of money. It means you pay your house down a lot quicker. And for those people who did get those 1% variable rates, they paid down a ton of principal during that period of time. That's a good thing. It's not a good thing when you realize your rate going up a year later. But if you like knowing your mortgage payment will stay the same, regardless of the mortgage, if mortgage rates rise or fall, then a fixed rate mortgage is your best choice. It almost comes down to a question of risk tolerance. It almost comes down to risk tolerance, where the property is, what the buyer's financial situation is. Wow, it really is subjective. Um, Now, Here's another great question. Can you switch from a variable rate to a fixed rate? 
you can change your mortgage rate and you can change, sorry, you can't change your mortgage rate, but you wish you could. You can change your mortgage type at the end of your term when you renew your mortgage. Some lenders also allow you to convert your variable rate mortgage to a fixed rate during the initial term. And this is what is called an open mortgage. I'm going to go through the risk tolerance scale real quick because we were doing this in the course. We're, we've been beta testing the course with different groups of people and, and we were talking about establishing a risk tolerance. So low risk versus high risk. And this is probably a good exercise. So low risk would be conser- the lowest risk. Conservative, your primary goal is to preserve capital, even if it means missing out on potential returns. Then you have moderate, which is in the middle. Primary goal is to reduce risks and enhance returns equally. So that's kind of balanced. And then you have aggressive, which is a high risk individual. Primary goal is maximizing returns. This is your YOLO, right? May endure extensive volatility and significant losses at the pursuit of getting that that better return. Um, and you know, understanding where you fall on that spectrum. And it can change by the way. Like, you know, usually when you're younger and you have less to lose and more to gain, aggressive is the way that you you go. And then when you have more capital to preserve, like if I don't have any capital, why am I going to be a conservative investor? Because I have no capital exactly. to preserve, right? So anyway, it does you will watch people change from that high risk earlier. You YOLO to try and get ahead and then conserve the capital later because you don't want to mess up, lose everything, and never be able to retire. Anyway, open fixed rate mortgages. So we're going to talk about open and closed. Um, it allows you to, to prepay in full. These are super rare, by the way, and change to another mortgage term at any time with no penalty, similar to an open variable rate, except you have a fixed rate. So let's talk about closed fixed rate mortgages as well. Your interest rate and payments will stay the same according to your chosen term. With this type of mortgage, the interest rate is often lower than the open rate options. So it may work better if you have a stricter budget and depending on your risk tolerance. Also, it can, can't can be fully paid off, refinanced, or renegotiated. It opens in a new window before the end of the term without incurring a penalty. The next is open variable rate mortgage. You can make as many prepayments as you want, pay off the entire balance, or switch to another term at any time, all without penalty. Closed variable rate mortgage, your payments will usually stay the same for the entire mortgage term with limited prepayment options. With this type, make sure to ask your lender whether you can make lump sum payments, how much and when. Dan, just before you move on here, lump sum payments. So I just want to, this is such a mortgage perspective on, on things because Everybody just always wants to know what the mortgage rate is. And if it's anything, you know, higher or lower than, than what someone saw online or what you heard or whatever, you know, that becomes an issue. But it's actually so much more about the product and being able to have some of those prepayment options that can actually make a huge difference in your overall amortization schedule, your overall payment schedule and, and so on and so forth. So, Keep in mind that the mortgage product is almost as, if not just as important as the mortgage rate. Great, great point. Um, where am I at? Adjustable. Am I at adjustable rate? Yeah, adjustable rate. rate. So adjustable rate, adjustable payment mortgage. This is, your, this is the one I was talking about where you're, vari- you're on a variable rate, but the payment adjusts every so every time prime goes up, your payment goes up significantly. Those people have already seen that 40% increase in payments, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, and last one, I've never heard this one. I thought this was I a thought fire this, escape I thought this method. was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> the stop, drop, and roll mortgage. 
something like that. I've never seen this, but uh, apparently it's a thing. The lock and roll mortgage, your interest rate and payment automatically adjusts every six months. I'm going to have to go ask a rock and roll. They should call it. I'm going to ask Vince Gaetano about this one. See if he has anything to say. Yeah. I don't even know how it ended up. I just was looking up different types of payments and that was in there. (laughs) Um, Can you negotiate your mortgage interest rate, Nick? Yes, but not always. So you may be able to negotiate on the interest rate a bit. It you know it pays to compare rates from various lenders. If you find a lower rate elsewhere, by all means, ask your lender if they can match it, or you know if make it easier on yourself. Get me to do it because that's what I do as a mortgage agent. My team and I was going to say, if only there was a way that somebody could do that work of comparing various lenders for you. There what a is great the, product that would be. the mysterious mortgage brokers. We're out what here a great and uh, and and we'll go and do that for you. We will go and look at everything out there, uh, price, product, and rate, and uh, figure out what best services you and your needs. And often, I think you'll have the most luck negotiating if you have a good mortgage application. So that means have good credit, save a lot of money, have a good down payment, have stable income, have low debt service ratio. And sometimes if you're waiting for the market, like I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I'm like so hungry to find the next deal. And I was talking to a guy this morning about this. We just had a meeting and he was like, what are you going after right now? And I was like, I'm going after making as much money as I can in the current market because I can't if I'm focusing energy on waiting for people to bleed, like that's just a, it's a bad energy. Yeah. But it's also like, it's also like waiting is not a productive use of capital or of time, sorry, or capital, or, I suppose. Yeah. But it's like, to me, it's like go and, and make as much as I can so that I have enough sitting around there and strengthen that, that, um, income, strengthen that application, get a better job, level up yourself. Cause I think like, if you look at where we know we're at the end of a cycle here now, right? Like literal end of a cycle. I'm not talking like economic prediction or whatever. This is a debt cycle. The debt cycle rates go up and go down. Right. And we're at the going up part and the fun part doesn't start again until they come down. And we don't know when that is. So do the leveling up now that you can. Um, do you want to, do you want to go over how prime affects variable mortgage rates or should we just jump to kind of wrap this one up yeah i think we i think we jumped to wrap this one up you know if there's there's a ton of other stuff and we'll probably be putting out a full new episode on whatever the bank of canada does so we'll touch on on prime rate and and um you know how the bank of canada uses prime rate to kind of conduct the direction that the economy is going in um I hope everyone got a ton of value out of today i think we really wanted to just remind everyone um about the meetup we're, that we're really excited about. Dan, you've got the details in front of you right here. Yeah. So uh, make sure you check out our listener meetup. Uh, we are combining with TCI, our podfathers for a meetup in Toronto for all of our audiences, combining all of our audiences. It's over 50% sold out. Uh, food and drinks are included in the ticket price. It's at 20 Camden, 20 Camden Street, Suite 200 in Toronto right downtown uh, on July 7th at 7 p.m. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly really excited. You know, I've already started to see people flying across the country for it and stuff. I just think it's going to be so great. I mean, Dan, you and I you and I are coming off of probably one of the more intense networking weeks I've had in, in quite a long time. Actually, I guess Vancouver, the, the trip to Vancouver was pretty intense as well. But we were at ULI last weekend or last week, sorry, and had another 
a couple other events that we were attending and we're at the missing middle summit this Thursday, the uh, May 25th. So, you know, it is event season and man, you know, I just, I just love getting out to these events and meeting people and hearing everyone's stories and connecting people. And Dan, we made a bunch of amazing contacts at ULI and I can't wait to see what happens at, at this, the TCI meetup where we bring, you know, people that are, much more well-versed than us on the stocks and bonds and capital market side of things. And we can talk to them about the joys of renovating duplexes. And, and you know, it's uh, it'll be great to put everyone's heads together and see what comes out of it. Yeah, there's um, there's another one I'm going to actually that John Love is speaking at. I'm trying to get a... Um trying to get uh media pass yeah you that. sent me so, that one i was gonna sign yeah. up and i saw it was 200 bucks and i was like okay yeah sure, okay. but john loves speaking like i'd pay 200 bucks to for to sure him yeah well worth for it sure one of my favorite minds in uh, if you great follow on linkedin by the way if you're active on linkedin if you're a big linkediner is that what we're calling them these days oh, yeah. a tweeter um it that one is um go real 2023 meetup um we'll post the link in the show notes as well so that i can try and hustle them for a media pass there. But uh, I, it looks like it's going to be great. Yeah, um, agreed. And uh, I think that's everything. Yeah. We'll get, see you all get at out some there. of these events. Get, get out, out there and get out to the events. events. Let's do some deals. We got cool We got cool deals. We're always looking for people to, to do deals with us. So um, come out and maybe we'll give you access to behind the curtain. <laughs> all right. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317, agent license M21004037. Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.